Hello, I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And uh, you're listening to our new podcast. John, what's this podcast called? We do not know yet. Um, we are working on it. We have that. potential names for it. Yeah. I, you probably know now if you've downloaded it. Right. Because we would have come to a decision. That's true. We but can't you, just call it Untitled. We could, actually. We could. And how does that work? Can we change um, that midway? Yeah, probably not. But this okay. is you can get behind the scenes as to how the episode was named or right. the series was named. Uh, because on the table right now is... Comedy times magic. Or magic times comedy. Magic times comedy. We'll call those two There's different titles. There's also comedy versus magic. Right. Uh, which we talked about uh, that we don't want that to sound adversarial because it is not. Right. But like comparing the two. Yes. And then from, uh, what's your first name? Donna. Donna Accardo. Yeah. My mom suggested uh, Jocus Pocus. Yes. And... I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a pretty good name. I'm not that against Jokas Pocus. Neither am I. But uh, how do you spell it though? I, we, her, and I debated that quite a bit. <laughs> what? You guys have interesting conversations yeah, at the Accardo household. We uh, uh, also, what's the uh, likelihood that they're going to listen to this? I had to explain to my mom this morning how to download a podcast. Okay, so, so not, we might be the first one she ever listens to. Yes. Definitely. Right. And then she, immediate, she immediately goes to Mark Maron. <laughs> <laughs> she like unsubscribes from ours. Right, right. Goes right to Mark Maron. Uh, what was her, what was the consensus on how to spell it? Um, I think I've been spelling it J-O-K-E dash U-S. Like Ooh. when I texted to people. Joke right. is focus. Uh, but but if you, we, we've talked about this in the sense that. I like that less. Yes, so do I. Because it looks like jokius. But if you read if you if you write J O C U S, yeah, you wouldn't to, to conform with the spelling of hocus. You right. wouldn't exactly, I don't think, know what that says right. if you read it. So I was telling, I was talking to my dad about that, and everybody out loud read joke. Oh, joke is pocus. Like they wouldn't right. get it in one. It would take them two tries. What about J O K U S? I've I've spelled it that way too. I've spelled it that way. And you've well. gotten Joke good responses to this title from other people. Um, I get the same response that I had, where it's like, yeah, that's kind of silly. Don't do that. But that is a pretty good name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can't. I mean, we we have between the time we're recording and the time we post it to think of something better. Right. <laughs> it could be Jocus Pocus, and then the subtitle could be comedy or magic. It could also be comedy or magic, <laughs> but not both. But not both. Also, so my my uh, requirement before was that we call it the the entire thing. The right. name of the podcast is Jocus Pocus, as suggested by my mother. Right. I think that was the entire... Because when I texted you that title, she I was I quoted her. Yeah. And then you said, that needs to be the entire title. Yeah. Jocus Pocus dash my mom. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but basically, the, the point is we want to talk about magic and comedy. Right. Because uh, I was thinking last night that I would say that you often say that you're uh, funny for a magician. Right. And I would say that I'm... Uh, like decently adept at magic for a comedian. <laughs> uh, I would say you're probably funnier than I am good at magic in terms of our respective cross interests. That uh, that sounds... I think that's true. That's uh, I mean, it feels you, like a knock on you if I go, yeah, that's you guys. No, no, no. Because I, I, I'm... My magic background is I... You know, it's funny. Getting back into magic in the last year or two uh, has revived a bunch of memories from the past about when I had like, I had old magic books just in our house and I remember being interested in them and then instantly discouraged by things in them that I would just set the book down for like years. So one of them I remember was like some kind of trick where you drag a safety pin through a handkerchief. Okay. And it, as an adult now, I think, 
Oh, something about the way the um, the needle is in the way of safety pin works. It lets you draw uh, drag the needle across the handkerchief in a way that appears that it's piercing the cloth, but still moving. Right. But I remember trying it and tearing the handkerchief and just being like, this book sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and just putting it down. Um, and then not encountering it in, in any serious way again until like maybe four years ago, I bought a couple of things i bought a uh oh i bought a thing that i like had a gimmick that goes in the back of your deck that like covers this card i'm pointing at a back of a deck you know the other good thing is that um i i want to practice like i think this is a good way we can talk about things without exposing them because right. people can't see what we're talking about like, you know this thing yeah that thing well this and, opens up and uh and then last year i took a class at the magic castle right and that's what really like got me back got into it, it. What got you to take the class at the castle? I don't know, except uh, boredom, Los Angeles boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, did you just like even just Google magic class? Well, I, mean, did I you, guess did you find it? Did you know about it? How, I, mean, I had uh, been at the castle a couple of times. So, well, that's the other weird thing is that going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival a few times, and also, I think I told you the one time I like performed in uh, the Seychelles islands that's right yeah. the same time that um john archer was there and then mm-hmm. the next time i was there nick einhorn was there right both so great, both but i just hung out with them mm-hmm. like like i just had a burger with john archer right. i mean we didn't know each other but we were the only two people there to be entertainers and then like you know the rest of my company that i was with but the like everybody else there was friends of a saudi arabian prince to see us perform. So I remember they were both very friendly. And then when I got to uh, LA, right around when I first moved to Los Angeles, John Archer was coming to the castle. Oh, cool. So I emailed him, and that's how I got in the castle the very first time. Oh, okay. When was that? That was 2014 or 15. Um, So, and then every time I've gone to the Fringe Festival, I've seen a lot of magic. Sure. There. So that's sort of, I, I ended up going to the castle like three or four times. Um, I also went a couple times on uh, Reddit's sub magic subreddit. They're on the sidebar. They're just like, if you want to go to the castle, just email one of us, and they'll send one of the email invites. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh no. Are you not supposed to do that? Um, I I think that the the populace at the magic castle is really upset when people like solicit like that. Well, they're uh, just yeah, I guess. And like, uh, I bet the castle's fine with it because those are the dinner invites. Sure. Well, even just, I mean, anytime you perform at the Magic Castle, the moment, they've actually changed this, but it used to be that your name would appear on the website six weeks beforehand. Ah. And in those six weeks, the moment your name would pop up, any way that people can find you, they'll send you requests. You're just inundated with requests, you know, oh, my mother's coming in from out of town. And so that's kind of a running joke, and people sort of hate that. Um, And I didn't know this. Someone told me about this, that if you Google, how do I get into the Magic Castle, one of the things that comes up uh, one of the first things that comes up is just goes find a magician, email them, and ask. Them I for, I have for heard this. that multiple times. And uh, right, and, um, and a lot of uh, a lot of people do not like that. Oh, so like that's that. a good tip. So yeah, so if you're just some random person and you just go, oh, I'm going to send a message to a magician and go, hi, please get me into the magic castle. A lot of people, a lot of magicians will be kind of annoyed. at Interesting. That. So I sort of inundated with those. And then on the I maybe shouldn't say this, but on like the magic castle members Facebook group. Um, the more silly requests are usually like mentioned and like laughed at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I once got a request because well, I don't have a lot of credits to my name. I've done a lot of work that I'm proud of, but it's not like I've 
done a bunch of TV stuff or anything. Right. So when someone sends me a message saying like, oh, I'm a huge fan. I've been following your career for a while. I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah. How? They're like, I saw you at Chris Grace's wedding. Right. Uh. <laughs> um, one person told me that he wouldn't tell me who. He goes, hi, uh, I really like your work. Again, how? But UCB, never specified. UCB never. Comedy Magic Night. <laughs> right. This was, was like a year and a half ago. Right. <laughs> and he goes, um, I work for one of the Black Eyed Peas, and they want to come to the castle and see you perform. And he would not tell me which one. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, messages like that I usually ignore. Did you ever hear from that person again? I did not. Oh. Nor did I hear from the Black Eyed <laughs> Pea they work for. I was hoping that, like, Taboo would drag me through Twitter or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I wanted to go to the castle, but this guy didn't want me, I guess. <laughs> but um, uh, I've yet to be contacted by Fergie or any, any of the other, like, of Black Eyed Peas. Man. So you have been doing magic for a long time. I've been doing magic for about ten and a half years. Yeah. yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing it my whole life as a little kid, but I think when I was 14, that's when I really started getting into, um, I don't know how to articulate this, but like serious magic, like books and DVDs. Uh, and imp- so- it's important. Important. Is that the, I can World changing. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like versus the uh, like magic kits you'll get as a little kid yes. that have pretty bad magic in them, uh, which is kind of a, 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 a sad thing is a lot of magic that you get are not usually that great, especially yeah. if you're a little kid. And so they can't, for me, I had trouble achieving longevity from those. I would like learn them. I'd play with them for two weeks, yes. show everybody, and then I'd put them down for two years until I. I was think at that the... might be one of the issues is that the magic in those isn't very good. The quality of just even like the cards that you get is mm-hmm. not very good, and maybe it just doesn't capture. Although I don't know if you listen. So, so I've been listening to Discourse and Magic sure. uh, on you had recommended that and uh, another magic podcast. Yes, and I'm gonna almost, ask that nobody listens to it. Only listen to our podcast, please. Yeah, nah. In fact, if you subscribe to it, I'm going to ask that you unsubscribe to it now. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm attached to a uh, Trojan horse that deletes all. Yeah, other, good. Yeah, uh, no, I mean the thing is, I think their podcast is more. Uh, high-minded than ours will be (laughs) because like uh i think they have a goodness uh at heart that at least i know that i don't share uh in terms of you know uh if that that podcast is very positive and motivating right and you know there's a like like they talk a lot about like overcoming failure and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i mostly want to have a podcast to gossip and and talk crap about things got it (laughs) okay well i mean i feel like uh, you know I'm probably closer to them than I am to you on this particular issue. <laughs> oh, Magic is too small of a community for me to be like, fuck this oh, guy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I'm not one of, I'm not one of the crew, so like, right. you know, we'll just so attribute you, all their opinions to me. So you'll say a bunch of angry gossip, and I'll just be quiet. I'll just be silent. <laughs> He'll be, will people, excuse me, will be like, uh, is John even on that episode? And I'll just no, be just off me the ranting. Yeah. Um, silent is the grave over here. Yeah. So you, so you around 10 and a half years ago, you went, is that when you went into studying? Yes, uh, because, and I know nobody's interested in hearing magical origin stories, but here we go. Um, I think yours is pretty interesting, because um, I think a lot of people will be very interested in who and how you studied. Yeah, uh, that is that is potentially true. Um, I was so I was starting in a new high school, and I was very lucky to just... Uh, you, came a from a, you came from a county where they had outlawed dance. Yes, uh, and uh, there's a preacher, uh, <laughs> he said, no magic. Yeah. So... I uh, I started high school in a new town about 15 minutes from where I lived, so none of my friends went there. So I, didn't, I didn't really have any friends. I didn't really know anybody there. And I happened to, again, be like I had mentioned earlier in that two-week cycle where I'd buy a trick. I think we'd gone oh. to Disneyland or something. I bought uh, 
I remember what it was. It was a gambler's this market is, deck. Well, this is how dumb I am. I just I just learned that there's a magic store at Disneyland. Did you not know that? No, I, I really? literally just learned this. <laughs> right at the top of Main Street. Yeah. So that's what every, you know, my mom loves Disneyland. We're, you know, we were a Disney family. Uh, every, like, year and a half or something, we'd go to Disneyland, and I would always, you know, drop right. money in the, in the magic shop, and I would buy these... Sometimes good, sometimes not so good tricks that I would play with for two weeks, show uh-huh. everybody I knew po- that I was doing them, did them poorly, and then I would move on. So I had, I was in that same exact thing. Gambler's Mark deck was the, the trick I bought, which is a very good, very good um, gimmick deck uh-huh. that I would definitely recommend. There's a lot of good applications for it. And I happened to start, I had that in my pocket for those two weeks, and those two weeks coincided with when I started this new high school. And I started showing a couple people that I was in classes with or stuff, magic, ah. and then that kind of uh, got me to become friends with them, and I sort of started making friends through magic. And wow. then I was like the magic kid. Uh, but I only had this one <laughs> very limited deck <laughs> of cards. That's weird. That's still on your business card. <laughs> right. John the, Carter, the magic the kid. The magic kid. <laughs> and... So what was really, again, very lucky about the story was that my dad is a really big fan of magic and always has been. And in the year leading up to that, he had begun a very serious interest in magic. Oh. And he had been ordering books and DVDs like uh, Roberto Joby's Card College and Card College Light. Oh, fascinating. And uh, Michael Amar's Easy to Master Card Miracles and all of these things I would still highly recommend to anybody with a serious interest in magic that they're just kind of getting started. Uh, and so... When I was like, oh, I want to learn new magic to show people, and I was really getting into it, uh, I had this little library of yeah. 8 to 10 I mean, even just great the card books and DVDs. Even, yeah, yeah. And what was awesome for me, being a lazy 14-year-old, was I could learn these new tricks all the time because there's a series of books card, called Card College Light that Roberto Joby also put out. Oh. I don't know if they're the same. Um, someone might, out there might know. I don't know if it's the exact same tricks from Card College just with or more just jokes. series. Just right. like... Just, yeah. just a little funnier. He's, yeah. he's like a little more zip in there. But those tricks, Card College Light, Lighter, and Lightest are the books. And those are all uh, self-working or semi-self-working card tricks. You oh, put cool. the cards in it, for those of you that don't know. You put the cards in a certain order. You kind of follow the steps of the trick. This is These are the kind of tricks I like. Right. Because they don't require any ability. Whereas the original card, card, uh, excuse me, card college books are very, just they teach was, you everything about card Was magic. your dad going through like learning card college? Um, I think he had the first book. And he was. Re- I'm currently well, on the overhand shuffle, which is go. the very first chapter that you can learn. So I don't know exactly how far to get into that, but what was great about these card college lighter books is for me being a you know a 14 year old with not a lot of work ethic was I could learn those in a night. And right. I could set up the cards. Bring them to school. Bring them to school the next day. Show people, and so I could for a, you know a couple months with a very small limited group of friends. Right, right, right. That I uh, I I would be showing these, you know, tricks. And you just had a bunch endlessly. of material all of a sudden. As long as you didn't right. open your bag and the cards fall out and get out of order. <laughs> right, right. So I was very careful about that. And so I was like this, uh, I dressed weird and I had long shaggy hair. And <laughs> I, yeah, I used to have hair down on my shoulders. It was, wow. Yeah, it was not a good look. Um, <laughs> and so then I found out about uh, the Magic Castle Junior Program. I don't know exactly how. I think we went to the Magic Castle uh just because I think my, my mom knew someone, uh-huh. um, and we just went to the Magic Castle. And both of your parents are artists. Yeah, both of my parents are musicians. So very and, likely um, that they have some connections to somebody who's... Right. It was like someone's a magician's daughter or something that, uh-huh. that my mom uh, knew. And so we went to the Magic Castle, and I, I don't remember how exactly 
but I found out of the Magic Castle Junior program, and that's kind of when my parents realized I was serious. My mom still tells the story that when I first told them, hey, I want to audition for the Magic Castle Junior program, uh, my mom was like convinced I wasn't going to get in. She's like, that sounds way too serious oh. for what you're doing. Well, now, I have heard it's very hard. It is. The, the way it was explained to me when I was, uh, before I auditioned, was that the dues, the membership dues that the junior members pay are much less than the adult members. It's like $45 a year. Um, oh my god i know it's an incredible <laughs> program if, if you know anybody that's a teenager interested in magic in the southern california area i i mean the junior program really did change my life um, and i i recommend it to anybody even if they're not interested in magic even if, they if you just want to get your kid off the street yeah get them off the street get them to, with some nerdy friends yeah although with magic these days they might end up back on the street right <laughs> it's not a great with yeah. you know two iphones and i mean one iphone shooting you and one iphone getting sound right i don't know if you've seen the jabrizi uh how to shoot Magic videos. Oh, I have not. I, 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 he just put it out. I'm not, not specific to Jabrizi. I do not carefully follow magicians on like Instagram and YouTube and stuff. So yeah. the people that are kind of making it there, I don't really pay attention to. Not that this, some of them are doing good work. It's just not quite my. Well, I'll my just scene. little sidebar. I think it's strange in the Jabrizi thing about how to shoot. It's actually a decently helpful video about how to shoot like video on the street but his suggestion for capturing audio is to have an extra phone with the iphone sure. headphones yeah two phones and tuck tuck it into your collar yeah, tuck it in. and problem? use that microphone to get your audio when i'm like like yeah, i yeah, recently yeah. shot video of john's set at the magic castle right. and you can get a tascam uh wired lavalier mic for 150 dollars instead of paying 500 dollars for an extra phone no you're taking all the games <laughs> out of it. you need two phones yeah you need a, a long hookup of of iPhone if i see jabrizi i'm gonna tell him jabrizi i got you this lav mic when i hand it to you go crazy right just <laughs> <laughs> just go just lose your mind go nuts yeah um so then you're, you're right so i i really wanted to audition to the, uh for the magic castle and Oh, every, basically every weekend I was making my parents take me to a magic shop. And I'm not going to say the name of the magic shop because I have a negative story that leads into my, that is part of this. Okay. And that is, uh, there's, a, there's a magic shop. This is Tannins in New York. Yes. <laughs> You're making your parents fly you to New York City. Right, every right? weekend. It's very strange. Best, best magic shop in the country. Uh, and there was this guy behind the bar, uh, the counter, offering, or the bar, um, offering... Were you having your parents just take you to a bar? <laughs> yeah, was, <laughs> just we, like a. Uh, my parents go get slammed every Saturday. Just to a McSorley's was, Ale House. Yeah. Um, so we're at this magic. Give me this shop. magic trick. It's a whiskey sour. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now I'm an alcoholic. So yeah. uh, you that's, talk now. Yeah, that's what the academy is. Right. It's just a bunch of young kids drinking. Yeah. Hi, I'm John. <laughs> uh, so guy I, behind the counter. Yeah. So. He, I, he offered magic lessons, and I know, and I didn't know that was a thing, and this blew my mind. I'm like a 14 year old. I'm like, yes, I'm 100 percent in. And my parents, my parents hated this guy. So uh-huh. we, uh, he, um, they thought he was a little pushy, a little rude. And he went, um, he goes, uh, yeah, I offer magic lessons for a hundred dollars an hour. I do them in the pizza restaurant across the street. Call me when you want to start. And don't be late. And so when we got home, I was like, wow. I'm gonna let's call this guy. I'm in. This is amazing. And my parents uh, were did not like him at all. They're like, yeah, what? they got like a spidey sense. Yes, and because my my father has been a guitarist his whole life, and he does lots of private lessons at home. Um, and he has this little room in the back that he does, and he goes, uh, he gives his lessons. And he went, he does them in the pizza restaurant across the street. I'm like, yeah. What's the problem? You eat pizza? You do magic? That's great. Let's do this. This combines two of my greatest interests. Right. Let's. Why, why are we still talking about this? Let's just do it. And my dad was like. 
that's so weird. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, that's like if I gave, I remember this very clearly. He goes, that's like if I gave guitar lessons. I was like, all right, meet me in the produce section at Vons and I'll teach you guitar. <laughs> right. And so they didn't like that. But then we went back a few weeks later and my birthday had come up and they said, we'll get you a magic lesson. And I don't know if it was with that guy or, or what, but we went back to the magic shop and we found postcards advertising for magic lessons with a guy named Shoot Ogawa. Which no one has heard of. Which no one has heard of unless you're a magician. In which case, no, I was just kidding. Everybody, uh, okay. I mean, I, th- I, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, everybody, right? You cannot have be listening to this without having heard of him. Uh, yeah. So any any magicians out there, or fans of magicians, or people that know me. Uh, well, yeah, that's the other thing is who would be listening to this that wasn't a fan of? That'd be very strange if you just liked one of us so much that you had to. You, just... know, you have fans. You you know, if like a baby oh, yeah. candy fan. But I also to have two other podcasts, and it's been demonstrated clearly that people that aren't interested in the subjects don't listen to those podcasts. Fair enough. So. No, anyway, everybody, everybody knows Shoot. Shoot is- so Shirogawa, one of the best magicians in the world, certainly one of the best close-up magicians in the world. Um, and I would say the, if if not one of the top leading experts on coin magic in, all, in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's brilliant. And he, there was uh, postcards for him giving lessons. And so I don't know what made my parents call him. I think they were just like, oh, cool, lessons from someone that isn't this guy we didn't like. Right. And they called him. What's and, great is he did his lessons at the hot dog stand. Yes. And my dad <laughs> loves hot dogs. So this was Nash made Now that heaven. makes sense. Right. Now that's Pedago- that, Pedagogically, that right. makes sense. That just, that just fits. <laughs> yeah. Like a hot dog in a bun. Um, <laughs> so they called him, and he ended up being, to my parents, the stark opposite of the guy that we had met at the magic shop. Yeah. Instead of being like, hey, it's this much don't be late, come here. He went, well, let's meet, you know, we can get coffee, you can come to my apartment where I do lessons, we can talk, I can show you what I do, you can ask me some questions about what you're looking for, and we can, you can get to know me. Yeah. And my parent, and then uh, anyone who's had the pleasure of meeting Shoot knows he's this, the nicest, most charming person. And so when we met him, my parents just fell in love with him. And now he, um, he's been a mentor of mine, and now my boss for, uh, ever since, for ten and a half years. Yeah, I met, well, I had met them before, but I spoke to your parents at, when I was shooting your set at the castle. Yeah. Uh, and you're now an adult member of the castle. I am. Uh, I, I don't know if that's what they call them. An adult member. <laughs> you're yeah. an adult member. Uh, but I remember saying that you kind of got, like, it's very beneficial for a young American kid to get, like, Asian rigor. Right. In terms of how yes. these things are taught. Um you know, uh, I am Asian, so I can say that. Right. Uh, and, and, and again, and, very quiet over here. And well, also, a lot of things, sometimes you'll describe like a way that he's given you a note or something or yes. whatever. And all, all that, a lot of that feels very familiar to me. Yeah, Shudokawa is no bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> if, he, and, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't, if he thought I did something poorly, he'll. He will let you know. Right. In fact, anytime I hear from a second channel that he said something nice about me, it shocks me. <laughs> and I, uh, I, Almost, I mean, it would be weird to say that's genetic, but culturally or something like right. that, re- that feels very correct to me. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, he can tell you more about it. I hope to have him on this podcast. Someday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, he, definitely going to have to clean up this garage. Right. Uh, <laughs> but he, um, he, I mean, he had a very, yeah, rigorous oh, sort of I would recommend. he was a teenager. Yeah, if he, any of you listening subscribe to the Genie magazine online, mm-hmm. uh, they also have the archives of Magic magazine. Right. And maybe, if you go there's back... There's a cover story on that. Yeah, there's a cover story of shoot maybe? maybe 10, even 15 years ago yeah. uh, that describes his how he learned, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. Right. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. He's... Uh, and I would say that even to this day, every major accomplishment I've had in Magic has been tied to him in some way. Yeah. Um, so I owe him 
everything. And that's why I, anytime he, you know. You also owe him a lot of money for those lessons. Yes. he still hasn't collected. Which I have not paid him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was thinking about it, like, as we start this podcast, one way that we can kind of track, uh, like, over, you know, as we record these episodes is we both have goals for this year. Right. Uh, and they're, they both, yours actually seems more achievable than mine right mine is at some point in the next year i want to audition for the castle and get in yeah yours is you want to win fism (laughs) right well that's that's a three-year goal yeah for those of you out there no no, you want to win fism in 2019 which i've been trying to say is maybe difficult you know yeah with that attitude sure i mean they're not holding fism this year but you could still win yeah i guess I'm going to basically look. I know for a fact you own a 3D printer. All right. Yeah. If I just print an award, I've won FISM. That's how it works. Well, put it this way you definitely cannot lose FISM this year. Hey, and, I'm halfway there. And you can't, That's most of the you goal. can't try and not get in this year either. Right. That's true. So, um, yeah, I was actually like, uh, uh, I want to bring up this post on Reddit that I saw recently. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, I have a couple questions about exposure. One is, like for my audition for the castle, I've been thinking. I, uh, I this is my perspective: is I will never catch up to people in terms of technical skill, and that's not even necessarily where I'm interested. I'm kind of interested in trying to like create new like scripts and like like just make up new stuff. And a lot of stuff I bring to John, he's just like, "Oh, someone's already done that." Um, Here's the thing, though: someone's done everything. Yeah, it all exists. It's all out there, and so a lot of it is. Uh, there's an expression that you know everything everything old is new again. Yeah, with magic especially, there's so many things that are repackaged in a new way in the last five ten years and yeah. kind of sold as new things that you can find in old in old books. Yeah. Um, um, but in terms of exposure, is it considered exposure if I talk about my own process and trying to like come up with a trick? Uh, I don't. You know, I really don't know because you've put spins on things of your own. I guess because you don't want to go in and say like. Oh, here's how this trick works that I got from this book. Right. I think I th- I think if you're talking about your own stuff and your own process, I think that's pretty much fine. I mean, you'll still find people that will be upset that you exposed anything, well, and also, I disagree with that philosophically. But um, it's also strange uh, that I've also heard other definitions. One is one definition I've heard is I might even heard this from Shoot was just like if you give one dollar to hear right that that's that's you saying, I want to hear what the secret is. Right, and I think from him as well, that comes from a, a sign of um, a place of, of respect for the art that you're learning and the art that yeah. you're watching. That's why if you're listening to this now, you owe us $1. You owe us a dollar. Yeah. yeah. Um, please, please Venmo find that. me. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, available. No. We're actually not taking Venmo. Please find John personally. Yeah. Give him a dollar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll call everyone that listens to this personally. Well, I think that... Com- I still owe shoot money for those lessons. Yeah. I think... Uh, in fact, just give it directly to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that... Uh, part of it comes from magicians don't want an audience member to be told the secret so that it ruins the effect right like involuntarily sure um but then it's like if someone has sought out this podcast there's no way they're accidentally going to hear this podcast uh yeah i mean there's so many different thoughts about when oh, where, okay. What is your, uh, where do you land on this? I, I have a controversial opinion on this, and I have an unpopular opinion on you, this. You, like, during shows, tell people how it's done. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I was going to be very, I was going to be very cryptic about that. No. I tend to, I tend to not love the absolute tight-lipped secrecy that other people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason being that 
I think magic, as you and I have talked about many times, as the deeper you've gotten into it, magic is an incredibly intricate uh, medium. Yes. And there's an incredible amount of different types of methods and real ingenuity that goes into a lot of magic. And the process of making a trick, of learning a trick, of performing a trick are all really sometimes incredibly intricate and much deeper than anybody would usually think. Right. And I can't think of a single... Time and I know there's a joke that you know. Oh, once you find out how you'll be done, it's disappointed. I rarely find that that's the case. Yes, I, I have. No, I don't feel that way either. Right. I think that the entire medium of magic, the way it folds in psychology, the way it folds in culture, the way it folds in how we understand sort of props and how they work, um, and technology. Right. And technology is is quite incredible. And I think that my big take on magic currently is that socially, magic has a very small reputation. Most people that are not magicians really don't understand what goes into creating magic. I think so often I hear people ask me, or they ask me questions and I can basically suss out that what their, their perspective is that I just learn a trick and do it. Right. And that's, and that's it. And it's just, <clears throat> I just, or I think of a trick and I, and I do it. And then that's, that's it. And I think then that's part of when you get magic is not being respected in the way other art forms like comedy, um, singing, dancing, acting, all of those things do. And because I think most people tend to assume that those are all much more intricate, much more difficult fields than magic, which I think you would agree is not necessarily true. No, comedy is easy. <laughs> okay, you heard it here. Everyone <laughs> who wants to be a comedian can do it, no problem. Comedy is easy. Dying is hard? Right. That's that how the that quote, quote goes. Um, uh, yeah, I remember thinking that... Um, I, I feel like some people see magic as there are magicians with all the secrets, and then there's the audience which should totally be in the dark right. and be surprised. And I remember feeling like, I feel like I'm in a third group, which is, I don't actually have the aspirations to be a, like a gigging magician. Right. Um, but I love the everything that you just described, and I also love seeing tricks again when I know how they work. Right. Um, and I wonder if there's more people that fall into that group than people think. And I wonder if not creating things for that audience is kind of what leads to like there being so many magicians where it's like, Oh, this guy's unappreciated. He's like incredible at what he does or the way he crafted that is incredible. But because he doesn't have X, Y, or Z in terms of commercial mm -hmm. appeal, then people like certain other people that right. people always diss. You right. know what I mean? Um, because in almost every other discipline, there's at least some people in that field that are like a general audience is aware of their skill sort of separate from, you know, everybody knows who like certain great guitar players are, mm -hmm. even if they don't necessarily like their music. Sure. Um, you don't have the same with magic. I don't think a, a lay person would be like, I know someone that's really good at just card handling. Right. And it's a strange, it's a strange line to walk because then the more lay people are learning about it, then that means you have to have some level of exposure for people to understand what a good card handler is. Yeah. Is it someone that look, you know, for instance, uh, there are some people that perform with a very, very fine tuned expert level of handling of the cards that that looks very nice. And then you have other people like Leonard green, who's one of the great card magicians of the last century, yeah. incredible card magician who intentionally is, you know, his card handling is awful during the show. It's, it's, it's intentionally looking yeah. ridiculous and the cards are flying everywhere. That's kind of what I'm going for without the skill behind right. it. So, you know, if, uh, he, he is intentionally looks very, very, very bad and very, very, very sloppy. And he's, he's 
handles the cards really rough and he's bending them, uh, but then he's doing absolute miracles and yeah. he's doing things that nobody in the world but him could really do as well as he's doing them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to understand the difference between that and why someone does it one way, why someone does it the other way, why Leonard Green chooses to do that begins to lead to some level of exposure. And for instance, to explain, uh, I won't really get into it now, but to explain why Leonard Green does things the way he does them would be getting well, into because he's a, lazy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Again, you've heard it here. Leonard <laughs> Green is is one of the laziest world champion refu- card magician. Refuses to learn magician. how to Leonard shuffle Green. properly. I know. Ugh. Ugh. He just bought all those on online. Yeah, he just bought them off Vanishing Ink. Who is well, this guy? No, you just go to fizzmactsales.com. Yeah, fizzmactsales. And you just buy because ne- the ones for twenty twenty one are coming out soon. You right, just right. buy them. Um, but he, but to get into. You have to sort of talk about. You have to sort of talk about the exposure. So I've we've talked about this. There's several routines that I'm in the process of writing that I've talked to you about, and you, I've kind of workshopped one of them before at Magic Bar. Um, yeah. That kind of go into because I really love that idea of how the song's written, how the film was made. That kind of stuff really interests me, and so I think I like talking about how magic is made and why it's made the way it is and why it's done the way it is. One of the routines um, that I I've been kind of writing passively sort of explains to people not necessarily any methods but i think people are always impressed at how perceptive a magician is and how much they're paying attention to their surroundings as they're performing everyone just kind of thinks i just you can just do this trick no matter what but the moment i agree to start doing magic you know magicians are ready to go yeah in terms of Maybe the deck of cards isn't out yet. Maybe it is. Maybe they expect a spectator to help them. Maybe they haven't. But the moment they kind of know they're going to do magic, most good magicians are going to be read, you know, paying attention to everything and interpreting that information. When someone reaches out to pick a card, how they pick a card gives a magician lots of information. You know, If they just reach in and casually take one out from the middle, then we know that you're kind of going to sort of go along with what we're doing. Yeah. If you're very aggressive and go, well, I need the top card or the bottom, you know, you're not going right. to get me. You know, they're going to be very adversarial. You know, right. they're going to they, like, spit in your face. Right. <laughs> they just slap like, you. This guy's tough. Exactly. Uh, you go, oh, this is going to be a rough one. <laughs> but for things like that, like even just, you know, the way someone picks a card, the way someone does or does not volunteer, the attitude they have, all of those things, magicians are constantly. Uh, interpreting and internalizing and, and, and sort of building off of and improvising with. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily just in what they say or uh, the jokes they make or something like that, but really how they how they act and how they then play out that situation. Yeah. And I think that that is very interesting. And I think that's something that not a lot of people really know about. And I don't see really the harm in talking about that because I think that is one of the things that deepens, that deepens an appreciation for magic, saying, oh, it's not just this trick you did it's this whole oh, for sure. seven minutes, you know, where you really, yes. you really calculated every moment and every second and how to work with these people and this person's aggressive and this person's not. If you know that that I would c- chalk up to chops. That um, is like probably a thing you only get through experience, right? Um, and I think that's probably sort of where the comedy side of this fits in as well, sure. because I think. And I was just thinking about like. When I said that I don't have any desire to be a gigging magician, that those are the chops that I don't really um, have that much a desire in learning. <laughs> Only because I don't have I I my magic to me is like a super fun hobby, right? And comedy is like my career, right? So I have a desire to like go out and do a lot more stand up mm-hmm. sets because I, those equivalent skills I have to learn in my bones and in, in stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then digging into the trenches of doing that, like 
at a birthday party or at some on the magic side is like sounds equally terrifying to me. Right. <laughs> um, and because I'm starting magic seriously, like very late, I uh, there's a practical side of me that's like I don't really have time to like go through those trenches, mm-hmm. nor necessarily do I have super. Well, someone. Design. I, and I don't know that I agree with this, but didn't someone say to you something along the lines of like, it's too late for you to start all the... No, I said that to my friend, Matt. Got it. Uh, that you it's can too tell late that story to... then. Yeah, so uh, my friend Matt Donnelly, uh, you should check out his podcast, uh, which is the... Uh, no, again, Ab- do not check out <laughs> any other podcast. Abracababble. Uh, Matt is a friend of mine from Improv, from Comedy, who also started Magic like only in the last two years, except that he lives in Vegas and he right. works with Penn, uh, Penn Gillette. Mm-hmm. So he's gotten like very good advice as well. Uh, but I, someone in his circle said it's too late for him to start card stuff, like not even bother with cards. Right. I don't know that I agree with that completely. Well, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily agree with it in the sense of when I have thought about effects that I want to create... Um, I've sort of just thought like I'll just learn whatever I need to to do what I need to. I don't have enough in my arsenal to be like I've got six different ways to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. But if I like need to learn like a double lift for something, I will learn it. Right. You know. We have to cut that out. You can't say yeah, double lift. Yeah, you can't say double lift. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll edit that out. Uh, and go again. Yes. <laughs> you uh I will learn to magicize yes. at the moment. No, I'm sorry. I'll have to cut that out as well. <laughs> um and it's funny because uh, the I really one of the core things with me is I just like learning stuff. So like I just enjoy learning skills. So and one of the things I've gotten a lot of pleasure out of recently with magic is just knowing that if I practice something for a little while, I almost never get it in the session when I'm practicing it. Sure. Like so like I remember maybe last year sometime you showed me Elm's account and I was just like that looks cool. I don't know. Like, I don't think I'll be able to do that mm-hmm. because I can't do the thing in the middle of it that you're supposed to do right. to achieve what it's supposed to achieve. Mm-hmm. And then I would just kind of idly practice it. And then like the next, you know, a day went by and then I was like, Oh, that actually worked. And it's almost like in between practicing my body, like learns how to do these things. Almost. Right. Uh, and I have to find that fascinating. I find that most magicians, I can't, and depending on the type of act they're doing, but I'd say a lot of card magicians I know don't, often sit down at a table and, you know, turn off everything around them and just sit and practice for a while. Like, yeah. I myself, most of the moves, if I'm just practicing moves and stuff and, yeah. and, and, and handling, and I'm not doing a routine that I need to sit down and practice, I will just be carrying a deck of cards with me at all times. Right. Anytime I have two hands free, I'll usually be playing with a deck, like I'm watching TV or yeah. something. I've seen or, you try to pay for food with cards, yeah. which was uncomfortable. Yeah, but it worked, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Darren Brown, when he had he just handed out blank pieces of paper. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, this is a 20. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find, yeah, is the prospect of just sitting in a room practicing moves extremely dull to you? Not really. I do enjoy it. Because I I do enjoy this stuff. I tend to reserve that. I I just get distracted easily. Yeah. So I'm all you know. Uh, so I'm always like, well, what's what's going on in West Wing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and some intense things have just happened. Uh, in West I'm Wing. I'm. Where are you in West Wing? I'm, I'm, I just started season six. Oh, okay. I'm just ending. I'm, I've seen it many times, although I've never watched past the Sorkin years. Oh, okay. So I tend to keep going back and it's rewatching. Different. So it's, I'm it's not as good. Ending season three right now. Okay. Um, they just had a uh, two trucks. Carrying nuclear stuff hit each other in Idaho. Yeah, it sounds right. And uh, Charlie was doing his tax return. Oh. And the president was helping with it. Yeah. Um, it was a very exciting episode. Yeah. It's all um, about the taxes. 
So wait, let me read you. So I don't know where this would fall. I mean, this is neither of us exposing this. So I'm just reading off a public website, which is Reddit. If you go to reddit.com r slash magic. If, if our listeners have not heard of Reddit. <laughs> yeah. But they know what a podcast is. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I haven't heard of the... Uh, I wonder if Ms. They haven't heard of the uh, internet. I wonder what? if Mrs. Zicardo has heard of Reddit. Um, I don't think she has. Um, she might have heard of it in passing, but wouldn't know. Uh, so wouldn't know someone from Reddit auditioned on Monday for the castle. This week? Yeah, and wrote up his experience. All right. His or her, actually. Um, but I just wanted to... It sounded like, honestly, from the write-up, it's like probably he's he or she's going to get in. Um... But apparently now they don't tell you that night. Oh, I, well, the thing is, like I said, I auditioned for the junior program, right? And then you, and then you're rolled over into a membership when you turn 21. So I never had to go through this audition process, yes. and uh, uh, which I kind of regret. I kind of wish I, because everyone has a story about it. And I kind yeah. of, you know. Well, apparently the uh... when I auditioned for the junior program, I had to wait two and a half weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got I got a letter in the mail two and a half weeks later. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, uh, and. Uh... So anyway, this person auditioned for 10 to 15 people, which they were surprised by, like, how many people there were. They said it was very friendly. But I just wanted to read you. He wrote down, uh, I keep assuming it's gender, their gender. Uh, they wrote down their routine that they did. And so this is what made me think, like, oh, I need to get a practice more. And this may be way overshooting what's necessary to do at this audition. But this is what they did. They did six coin on the table, coins across from a David Roth VHS. Okay. They did an Eric Jones 3 Fly. They did a Gadabout Coins. What? Gadabout Coins, the trick coin trick from Bobo's one coin routine. Okay. Something called 3 Fry, which is a th- Theory 11 trick. Okay. Three coin hanging coins, ending by vanishing the three coins rather than reproducing them. That's the David Roth trick. Yeah. David Roth has a trick called hanging coins. I don't know. Uh, recapped by Greg Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then... It's a lot of magic. Solo Sharpie manipulation routine I created based off Shoot Ogawa's wand routine. Hey, okay. Uh, do you know what that is? Oh yeah. And then ending. Well, that's with- one of that's one of Shoot's big, uh, one of his really prominent pieces of material that he's very well known. There's a couple oh, things cool. that Shoot is well known for in the magic community. One hand matrix. Uh, uh, just two- just coin magic in general. His work with uh, linking rings, uh, ninja rings. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. That's uh, mentioned in that article, by the way, the, the magazine article. Oh, sure. that, and I, I believe, and again, I'll have to ask him about this. That was one of the things that got got him prominence in the United States when he moved out here was his unbelievable skill with linking uh, linking rings. I think it's mentioned in that article in the context of like he started to do it and everybody was like, ugh, rings. Right. And then it was like incredible. I mean, I hate watching the linking rings. Sorry to everyone of you who does it, but <laughs> sorry, Mr. Ring, ring dude. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mr. Ring dude. But, uh, I mean, and I've known him for 10 years and if cut, I th- cut to 2021 when John wins Fism with a with, ring. Act. With ring <laughs> uh, it's absolutely watching Shirogawa doing linking rings is absolutely incredible. Uh, it, 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 it just, it feels like real magic. Okay, this is what I would like to do. I would like to do an act called Lincoln Rings, okay. where each of the rings is the silhouette of Abraham Lincoln. Okay, I thought you were going to go with Lincoln Logs Road for that joke. Oh, sure. Uh, and then Infinite Sharpie Productions as an ending. What is an Infinite Sharpie Production? I, do, I think it just means he kept producing markers Got over it. and over and over. But first of all, that's way more tricks that's than I thought. That's a lot of magic. Yeah. I don't know the exact... I think you have... Under 10 minutes. Like, everyone, I've always heard it very casual. Like, yeah, five or 10 minutes. I do not know the exact rules for yeah. auditioning at the Magic Castle. Yeah. For, member, for membership. I'm just saying, that sounds like a lot more skill than I currently have. So, recently we were talking about it, and you were like, I bet you could do it in February. I was like, nope. <laughs> uh, 
Now, this person might have also like be, you know, they might just be like, whoa, that's way more than you needed to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm not entirely sure to be honest with you. Um, so you also, so what's your, where, where do you feel about like comedy in general? Since we're, since presumably I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> and next topic, what do we got? Uh, I don't believe fan it. mail. I don't believe people should know how it works. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no exposure in comedy. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a, a big fan of comedy. I wanted to be a comedian well before I ever wanted to be a magician. Yeah. In sixth grade. That's when I was uh, in sixth grade when Jim Gaffigan's Beyond the Pale came out. And oh. One of the first stand-up specials I remember seeing. I was 11, 12 years old, and I just, I mean, I, I think I, I want, we had a little TiVo, and I taped it, and I, I remember watching it dozens of times. I was just blown away. Um, and... Uh, I mean, Jim Gaffigan is still an incredible comedian. Yeah. And I, uh, so I, I, I remember I have an old notebook full of like, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian and I was writing jokes in like sixth grade. Hey. Yeah. And then magic kind of took over. What's great about magic is that, I mean, I would say, I don't even know that I think this is the best move, but I think most magic, most magicians, when they're performing and they think of how they want to perform, settle into a comedic role. It is very rare that, I would mm. say that's what... 70 80 percent of no that's i I don't want to guess a number but yeah anyone who's gonna stand and talk in front of an audience you'd say this percentage is higher than the people that should do it (laughs) yes very much so yeah i I don't want to get too angry about my thoughts on comedy and magic on a first episode or maybe i should i don't know but uh i have i i get really upset this lends itself to a comedy versus magic angle Uh, yes so i um yeah i mean the thing is it's like uh it's they're they're both full disciplines that need to be mastered and the it's funny because we've talked before about like how you could just maybe like go to penguin and just buy six tricks right and put them together and put an act together i mean you can even go to illusionist and just buy a thing that's like an hour-long magic act right. in a box yeah i've definitely seen people online saying like hey for you know this much or whatever yeah i'll i'll you know, teach you five hours worth of magic or something, right. something along those lines. And but there's also the re- the reverse, which is like uh, there's a fair number of magicians that I've seen that feel like they just acquire a couple jokes. Right. Um, I would assume most of them aren't written by them that they've heard from other people or something. Yeah, there's a big uh, there's a big library of magic jokes. There's a big library of stock magic jokes. I think Dennis Bear keeps an online. Uh, Database of <laughs> all, just, uh, all the jokes. Anyone interested in that Dennis Bear does have um, an incredible, conjuring archive dot uh, yeah, com. Uh, he has an incredible, incredible data- database of um, magic books from just his library that he's just made single handedly. He just uploads has the he books. won that FISM award for like contributions? I'm not sure to be honest. I feel with like you. he should for that. Uh, yeah, he's um, and that, I mean I love Dennis Bear. I think now, what if great... I could take all the magic library magic jokes? put them in the library and, and you could and burn that library too. Yeah. yeah you probably would <laughs> right i probably would i think uh but the thing there's two great quotes that i think about a lot one is um i've also heard of these all secondhand so they're wrong or something i'm sorry but uh-huh. by the way i've heard them is one is steve martin who used to do magic before he did comedy back in the uh-huh. 70s worked at the disneyland magic shop yeah you just learned existed uh he said that magic is the only skill you can fake being good at and then another one similar to that is michael weber and this was I've heard this quoted by Derek Elgadio. Derek Elgadio was on a podcast and he quoted Michael Weber. 
So again, if this is wrong, I apologize. Where Michael Weber says that magic is the only medium strong enough to carry a weak performer. Uh-huh. What I think I take both of those to mean is that, yeah, there is a lot of magic that is self-working that you can buy where no sleight of hand and very minimal practice is required. And a moment of, no matter who you are, if a moment of magic is done proficiently, for someone that doesn't see a lot of magic, that might be a very strong moment, regardless of yeah. the strength of the performer. And so you get a lot of people that are not fantastic performers uh, doing that. And a lot of audiences, you know, an audience might not be able That's to tell That's true the for stand-up, too. Is I it mean, really? Yeah, because if you have a person that only goes to see one stand-up show a sure. year, then there's a lot of hacky jokes that will work for that person. I, I think what these quotes are also getting at, though, is, and I, I don't have a... St- super clear opinion on this, but I think they're saying that you cannot fake your way into being a successful comedian. Yeah. You can't, you know, I I think that's somewhat true. You can't like, like the way you could buy, you know, a trick and perform it, put it in your show, maybe get some success or notoriety from that. You could not do that in the same way as a stand up comedian. I mean, I buy most of my jokes from penguin comedy. Okay. Um, How's that worked? Yeah, it works great, and yeah. I watch those uh, lectures. I'll write that down. Yeah, Penguin, Penguin Comedy. Comedy. Mm-hmm. It's Dan Harlan's other website, uh, and then his other one, PenguinPonyTales.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, well, I was thinking that there is going back to this relates to the like third group that I was saying the third group that appreciate art that aren't necessarily practitioners mm-hmm. uh, or full practitioners, which is that there's a lot of comedy fans. There's a lot of comedy fans right. that are comedy nerds that are not comedians. They might want to be one day, but that aren't positioning themselves as like the only reason I'm interested in this is to do it. There's a lot of people that just love podcasts sure. and stand-ups and all that stuff. It's, uh, and I I would probably consider myself one of those. People. Yeah. But there's I don't that group doesn't exist so much for magic. People that are like just into magic like a lot of when I go to the castle, a lot of those people seem like people that they're at the castle once every three years or something. What do you mean? Like it, the audience members, I mean, are like not, the question is how discerning do you want your audience to be? Do you want them to be like, do you want an audience member to like never see magic so that when they come to the show, they are stunned by everything? Or do you want an audience that eventually becomes smarter and smarter about magic um, because they love it so much, and someone that comes to see a magic show like ten times a year instead right. of once. Well, that I mean, that would certainly change the way magic is performed. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Actually, that does sound pretty nice. I think what that would then force is it would force magic to move forward in a way that it sometimes I feel it doesn't want to. Yeah. Because when you have a medium that is based upon secrecy and based upon you know people don't see this a lot and they don't know how it works, yeah. you get away with a lot of people doing the same material. Um, for sure and or, or materials being done by the whole medium for longer than it potentially should like i and then if you have a higher understanding a higher uh your audience is more discerning then you you can't do that i i think um there's another magician named nick paul who has a podcast uh called Two again Magicians, one mic don't listen to it please uh <laughs> <laughs> um i'm begging you not to uh well, I was thinking that, um, <laughs> but uh, what I was going to say, all I was going to say was that um, he talks about he works a lot of cruise ships. He's very successful, incredibly talented magician. Uh, both him and Simon Cornell, who hosted, are both wonderful magicians, and they vo- they both work incredibly hard on making unique magic that suits them. That is not just out of the box right. stuff that that can work. And he was uh, one of them on their podcast. I can't remember who was talking about doing a cruise where 
they were applauded by the cruise director, whoever books the talent, um, that he didn't do, quote, the rope trick. And granted, there's lots and lots of rope magic. A lot of it, I think, feels the same. And what he was probably referring to is a trick called the Professor's Nightmare, which is a very uh-huh. famous rope trick. And so I think, obviously, that person who books probably a lot of magicians on that cruise line, sees a lot of magic, is more discerning. And so to him, rope magic all kind of feels the same, and it feels very tired. And I think if you had a more discerning discerning magic audience, you would they would probably push a little bit harder and it would force the community to kind of diversify what it does and how often it does the same material. Yeah, which might be a temporarily painful but long-term healthy thing. Right. Um, I mean, I can't really think of any time where an industry is... Uh, an entertainment industry is forced to kind of move in a new direction to appease its audience, and that is a bad thing long term. Yeah, you know what I mean, except just, for trap rap, right? Do not like that. Um, the uh, well, because I was thinking about how now if I see a card magician, there's certain moves that I when I see them done, uh, even like an act that we saw like last week, where like a certain uh, effect the method, there's a certain thing happening over and over that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I'll kind of like, in that moment, I'll be like, okay, so that's happening right there. And I was thinking like, oh, that's kind of bad that I know that move and it's taking away from my enjoyment of this trick. But the, my counter argument to myself was, but that's a move that doesn't look natural to me. And like, should I continue just being like, that looks okay? Or should people be like, no, the moves have to be better than these moves. Sure, I think magic does need to have, for all of us as a community, needs to have a higher standard of what is popular. Yeah. Um, and I, what's genuinely fooling. Right. I think uh, a great voice on this particular issue is someone else I hope to have on this podcast, um, Robert Ramirez, who uh, really incredible magician and very creative uh, and very theatrical. And he has a very... Res, uh, we I talked think about you mean uh, from the touring company of In the Heights? From the touring company of In the Heights. You've seen him on <laughs> Penn and Teller Fool Us. That's Here right. he is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's, not, he's not here. Uh, um, but yeah, what's his perspective on well, this? Well, he talks a lot about... He has very strong opinions about certain moves and why he does not like those moves because they don't look like how you would do that same action if you were not doing a move. Yeah. Um, so if you were to, you know, show a certain number of cards while hiding one, he hates when, it, when people do a, a move that is just, this is how everyone does it, this is the move. And he goes, but if you were really going to show people four cards, you wouldn't do it like that. Oh, So why me, don't those look the same? I, similar On this topic, let me ask you this. How often do you think you show someone something and they, in their head, are like, uh, they had reservations or suspicions that they that they don't voice that are just like that was good. Oh, probably more than like how often do you think that's probably more than most magicians think, right? You, are you talking about in the magic community or just anyone I showed? Like if I showed a trick to a non uh, to a lay person, yeah. Um, I I've worked hard with a close group of my friends to kind of try to get rid of that. Yeah, if I show them something, I I rarely show people a friend something just to show it to them. Like if I if I'm doing some material that they haven't seen and I'm doing it in shows and it's working very, very well, yeah. I probably won't show it to them just to show it to them. If I have something new that I haven't done before and I go, oh this is kind of interesting and I am curious to see how it plays, I'll I'll show it to them and say, what did you think about that? And they'll go, no, it was good. And I'll go, really? Did, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you let you know, did you could you tell what I did? Because you don't want to be in this situation of doing an act for uh, actual audience members right. And having them sort of like um, can not convince themselves, but sort of just be polite to you, right? 
and just be like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you really want to avoid that. And I think audiences are smarter than magicians give them credit for. I think yeah. we all, myself included kind of fall into that vein. Um, and if, a, and if a, uh, a spectator, even if, if something looks weird and they think it's done a certain way, even if they're wrong, it's still just as bad. Yeah. I believe that's a Di Vernon quote. Again, I hope I'm not misquoting here. But I believe the Di Vernon quote is, if a spectator thinks they saw you do something, you might as well have done it. Right. Uh, meaning that if... if By the way, is that, that, is that rope trick his trick? P- professor's Nightmare? Um, I don't think so, actually. Oh, it's uh, a different professor. I think that it refers to like, like a... Uh, well, no, I like, learned that at the same time as a trick called Newton's Nightmare, where... Uh, 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 there was this little brass ball you put through a tube that kind of defies gravity. Uh-huh. Um, I, and I think I learned this. this I, I took it to mean like, you know, I actually, I don't know. I'm not going to. Is there a script for, is it like, you know, I was, I was looking for my physics uh, papers the other day. I rolled them into the shape of a rope. Right. And then I, I got a knot inside them. But then Gordian physics removes the knot like so. I'm going to need you to keep talking. I'm writing all this down. This is actually, this is gold, what you're, what you're saying. Because uh, I remember last year when we first met and started talking about stuff, like one of the things I want to do is I just want to go around to every magician and just rewrite their scripts. Just like just improve them by 10%. Well, the thing, yes, we've talked about this a lot. And, and this is why I, I pitched my wagon to you so yeah. so early is because I think early on you offered to like direct my show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which you've done and it's been very helpful, yeah. I think. Uh, because I think for some reason, magic is, I think, is just as strong as a theatrical medium as, as any other. I mean, it is theater. Right. It really is. And uh, it's an art. It's like any other performing art. Yet for some reason, magicians are the only performing artist that rarely has a director. Yeah, that's um, very... And, it, and they're also the people that kind of need them most. Yeah. There's, there seems to be a lot of collegial, like, right. collaborate or just advice or whatever. But then, then you're running into... Like realms of like how polite are we being to each other? Whereas, you know, whereas actually having someone come in to be like an outside eye to be the one that behind closed doors is harder on you so that you are sharpening your act Mm -hmm. for when you show it to real people. I'm surprised by how it seems like many magicians are just kind of left to their own devices to come up with their acts. Yeah, that, that can definitely be the case. And also it seems like there's a lot of magicians that are like, well, that act isn't that good, but I'm not going to say anything to him. And, like, it just kind of... Right. You Are know, you trying to tell me something? Yeah, that's kind of... This actually is not a recording at all. <laughs> <laughs> and behind this door, we have Robert Ramirez. Right. <laughs> um, so we're coming up on an hour, but I have a gift for you for our oh. first podcast. Okay. Which is, I like to... One of the things I'm shocked by is how much money you can spend on magic. It's, yes. It's insane. It's unbelievable. Uh, but I, I bought this the other day and they had like a half price off. So I had two of them oh. and you have said recently that you need more stand up and parlor stuff. I do. I do and stage stuff. I do well, this might come in handy. <laughs> Jumbo playing cards. Wow. These are an insanely large deck of cards. Uh, they're heavy too. Do you have one of these already? I'm not this size. This is probably, it's like bigger it's, than an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Yes. This is, I mean. I don't it's comically large. This is, these are so heavy. These, these are about 10 well, what, times, 15 well, times the size. There are jumbo cards sold. This is three times the size of those. My suggestion to you is to learn how to do a split fan with these. Yeah. And uh, and then win FISM with that. Right. Not too late. Horde <laughs> Wu already did a, one FISM with a jumbo card act. Really? Yeah. Well, oh. I can rip him off. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Horat. Uh, Stay in Taiwan. I'll, I'll do your act out here. Um, because I, we've talked before, but I like the arts and crafts side of magic. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I have something I'm working on that I'd probably like to put in the act. And I needed 
bigger cards. But these are God. bigger than I thought they would be. These are hilarious. But I'm thinking, I'm sure well, we can think you've of- seen recently, I did a stand-up show, and rather than making material for it, I just took my card act and just did it with jumbo yes. cards. And you had some difficulty holding them. I did. I, I did not play. That was the same week as my week at the castle, and all my energy went into that. And then yeah. the, la- the week before, I went, oh, shit, I gotta... Yeah. All right, jumbo cards. Uh, <laughs> I gotta laugh out of it. But then. I think we could think of some use for these. Yeah, so just, yeah. Listeners, imagine a ridiculously large set of... How big is your laptop screen? Because these are about the size of your laptop screen. I would say these are diagonally probably like a 13-inch yes, diagonal. That, sound, that sounds right. These yeah. are enormous. Yeah. So Anybody who guesses the exact... <laughs> right, we'll, a pro- we'll give you a prize. Um, so we'll, by the time we uh, upload this, we'll think of a, um, a name for this. Yes. Sure. Hopefully. And uh, we'll set up emails and Twitters and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, where should people follow you, John? Uh, they can follow me um, on t- uh, Instagram at John Accardo Magic. Oh. You can follow my magic Instagram account, yes. ambitious.chris, uh, which I recently started. Which I called out on the Paul F. Tompkins improv show. Oh, really? Uh, at the very end of it. Uh, oh, like, he I asked me like what to plug, and I was like, oh, follow my magician uh, Instagram account. <laughs> um so yeah, I'll just plug that. If you like improv, listen to episode 198 of Spontaneous Nation with Paul F. Tompkins, which I am on. And serendipitously, the suggestion was A Magician's Apartment. Right, and then you just dove right in. Yeah. To, to some, some real sub-trunk, reference to sub-trunk. I reference to sub-trunk. Yeah. I named the cat Vernon, mm-hmm. the professor. Yeah. Try to get other stuff in there. But uh, I, my head was actually swimming with like, what are the things that I can reference just as funny like little in-jokes? Because uh, a lot of times with improv... I make references that no one gets. Which I think are always hilarious. Um, yeah, but uh, they don't often produce laughs, but they produce introspection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this is a good start. Yeah, I think I think this is maybe the best podcast ever recorded, probably. Yeah. And if I'm being you know honest about it. So just to summarize, delete all your other magic podcasts. Yes, please. You owe us a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Am I being too harsh about... These? Is that joke not landing? Should I... About what? Go listen to Two Editions One Mike. It's very good. Oh, no, no, sure. I mean, we can't control what they do. Right. They know we have no power over them. Um, so, and another thing that we're I would like to start is we're going to see if we can set up some kind of, like, show. We, we both live in the yep. L.A. area. Yeah. Uh, some kind of stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and variety mm-hmm. magic show. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going I'm to let you do the heavy lifting on that. I, I can think. probably do most of the heavy lifting on that. Um... What? Oh, the reason I bring it up is like, I was going to say, like, what shows do you have coming up? Or um, I have a lot of private events coming up. Um, oh, cool! And then I so uh, send us the idea. We'll crash all yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Several weddings. <laughs> yeah, I have a private event this Saturday. Uh, other than that, because um, you just finished a week at the castle. I did. Um, and the I like I assume there's some sort of etiquette about when you push for another one, and it's not anytime soon. Right. I'm the Jack Goldfinger, the director of entertainment there knows I'm local. And so he tends to just kind of call me when he needs me. Right. And that being usually once or twice a year, which is the average most people perform there. It's rare. They, they do it more than two, maybe three times a year, depending on, on who they are. So yeah, I will, I, I await his call. Um, and, uh, I'm doing stand up. Yeah. Uh, people can see you every Thursday and Friday, Thursday at UCB sunset magic to do. It's musical improv Friday. Baby wants candy. Most Fridays at seven 30 p.m. and then uh tonight you won't be able to hear this i'm uploading i won't upload it that quickly but okay. i'm doing a uh, 
Well, I, I actually, friends of mine from New York have a show called The Scene, okay. which is a mono scene, which means there's no edits mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's like a 25-minute single scene. Right. That's coming back, so we're actually starting that up again. I think, actually, Monday, January 14th, there's one. And then the Saturday, January 12th, I'm in a show called Shamilton, which is an improvised Hamilton right. by the people from Baby Wants Candy. You right. should come see that, since you're wearing a Hamilton uh, sweatshirt. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> wait, it's... <laughs> John has disappeared. Uh, no, um, yeah, I... I was just like casually like, I guess I have some shows coming up, and now I realize I have. Lots of shows coming up. Wait, what is today? Today is Wednesday. So I have a show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Yeah. I'm oh also boy. busy. Oh, look at us well, both working Well, I will say, fun thing, uh, when I used to, my husband, Eric, lived in Florida for a while. We were long distance for a little while. And I remember telling him about a week like this, where I was like, oh, I've got a show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday, or whatever. And he was like, oh, you, will, you go get that money. And uh, here's a little peek behind the curtain for yeah. comedy fans. If you do improv, you don't get paid. Right. How many of these shows are you getting paid? Any of them? No, zero. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, where does your income come from? It's full of Mike Lee and Black. How, how much? How much money you make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty-two million. Yeah. Um, no, you don't get paid for improv unless you do like a corporate thing, right. or you do. For example, if I tour... Or we go back Ed- to the Seychelles for that Saudi Seychelles, yep. Yeah. Or Edinburgh Fringe, you will get paid for that. But like a local improv show. One point zero 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 one percent of people get paid for that, sure. unless you live in Boston, where they do pay for it. Oh. So, uh, but we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks so much and for listening. Bye, bye.